Welcome to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God. Pastor Larry Sterling, we invite you to join us in his service soon. We're located at 379 Avenue A, East Point, Florida. Our service times are 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays and 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. We pray that this week's message inspires you to shine the light of Christ to those around you. To the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, and I want to speak to you this morning about biblical love. We are in an environment of confusion as if we've never seen before. This world is buying into the, the definition of anything that's not biblical when it comes to love. They want, they, they want and then they want you to say that and make room for their definition of love that's not in the Word of God. And I want to tell you the only way you can be blessed and live a blessed life is to obey the Word of God. There's no other way to be blessed. There's no other way to live a blessed life. There's no other way for your marriage, for your home, for your lives to be blessed unless you love like Jesus teaches us to love. I, I hate to, to be the bearer of bad news, but it's, I, actually I don't. I kind of enjoy letting you know the truth. That's why I'm a pastor. But here's the purpose. The world wants to define you and the world wants to give you false ideas of what love is, but God gives us true love. If you would, stand with me. We're going to read this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. And the Bible tells us, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray. Father, one more time, we say thank you for just the atmosphere of worship that's here. Thank you for the word of God that's coming. Thank you, Lord, for our hearts that are prepared to receive from you. And God, now we ask for the miraculous to take place deep within our spirit. The Bible tells us that the word of God penetrates into us. It divides, Lord, asunder, Lord, all the joints and marrow. It goes deep within inside of us, God. So I pray that your word would come forth in this house today. God, that we could see the glory of the Lord shining in this community. And Father, we ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. As I said, the world's definition of love is distorted, and it is distorting the biblical view or the actual real view of love. Because what, 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 is, what is really out there happening is that God has created you in such a way, God has created your life in such a manner that you will respond to biblical love. But on the other side of it, you will also respond negatively to the things of this world. Let me tell you like this. If you eat, a, if your body, if you eat a healthy diet, your body will respond healthily to your diet. Everything else being equal, your body will respond the way it's supposed to respond when you eat a healthy 
diet, if you fill yourself up with junk, if you fill yourself up with sugars, if you fill yourself up with what we call junk food, it will distort your health. It will hinder your life. And in fact, if you keep putting sugars into your body, into your system, it will literally cause you, if you're a kid, you could probably get away with it. But as you get older, it causes weight gain. It causes health problems. It causes all kinds of issues in your life because you're not eating healthily. Everybody with me? So when it comes to biblical love, we are created in a particular way to emotionally and spiritually receive a love that the world doesn't understand. And if you put yourself and the way God created us health-wise by food, if you put yourself in the same perspective as spiritually, I have to know how to love the way the Bible teaches me how to love, then it will come out in a blessing for you in your home, in your family, in your relationships with your spouse, with the community. Everything is better when God's people love the way the Bible tells us to love. The greatest example of love of, that we see any time in the Word of God is the Son, Jesus Christ. Romans 5, to, chapter 5, verse 8 says, But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, this is dramatic. Why is this so dramatic? Because there's a lot of phrases going on. Number one, God demonstrates, meaning God shows us what love looks like. God gave us the example of the way we should love. Because the Bible tells us that God is love. God, all he does is love. Everything that he is, is love. The all, and in reality, when you tap into love, you are tapping into the character of God. You are responding the same way that God would respond if you respond in love. If you respond in any other way, you are not responding the way God would respond. You see, now... Many times that, that, that brings up questions. Well, why, why is this happening in the world? And why is that happening in the world? And so you, your response to that is simply this. I have to live by faith. I have to know that God is good and that his mercy endures forever and that I can't answer every single thing right now, but I know that God is doing something in the world. I know that God is trying to reach people in this world. God is trying to reach out to this world right now. The problem that we see today is that the world is too blind to see what God is saying. And in fact, in many occasions, the church... God wants to speak to you every day, and in the church, we're so busy with life and trouble and situations, and we, we are surrounded by earthquakes and storms and all the things that surround us, and we do not take time to hear the whispering voice of the Spirit that speaks to us every single day. One of my big things is to tell you God loves you, and if somebody loves you, he's talking to you. He doesn't stay silent. And if there's an issue there, if there's a communication gap, always assume there's something wrong with us. Never think there's something wrong with God. You see, sometimes God will step, step back 
And we'll be standing here, and we'll be in the presence of God. God's moving. God's doing wonderful things. God's blessing the church. God's doing awesome things. And we're just standing here going, man, this is good. It just feels good to be in church. It just feels good to be in the presence of God. And then all of a sudden, we come to church, and we don't feel that. We don't feel that thing. And so we think, well, God must not want to do something today. So we, we, we say, well, that's all right. We'll just keep going on. No. That's not the truth. Why? Because we have a view that we just come to the very same spot. This is the place where God pours out his love. This is the place where God loves me. This is the place where God cares about me. And so I just come to that same spot. And one out of five times I get hit with a blessing and I call it good. No, that's not it. God wants you to come and search for him. Because God has something to tell you, and God wants you to, sometimes he'll come in church and he'll be standing over here. And the thing that you did last Sunday, the thing that you did the day before, isn't going to work to get where God's at right there. You've got to change your direction and look to what God is doing. Because God wants you to pursue him. God wants us to go after him. And God wants us to keep growing in love and growing in knowledge and growing in wisdom. And so that requires us as, as, as human beings to be challenged. I don't know why this is so hard for us to get. Because, listen, if you want to build muscle in the physical, in the body, you have to exercise in order to do so. And I'm not talking being a bodybuilder. If you want to actually build muscle, take a little bit of weight. Take three pounds. Do this about 100 times. See how hard it is. You know, the first 25 times, you're like, man, this ain't nothing. And then by the time you hit 99, you're like, oh, my goodness. That's a lot. Well, here, God says God wants you to learn how to build your spiritual muscle. And so because of that, God is going to alter things. You God is going to change dynamics on you. God is going to shape the, the situation differently than it was before. God's going to do things so because he knows us, he knows our frame, he knows who we are, and he doesn't want you getting into a rut. So he mixes it up. You with me? But we don't like that. We're like a river that just keeps flowing down the same path. And we just want God. We called it in, in, in school, we called it homeostasis. We just like everything to be flowing the way it's supposed to flow. And then all of a sudden this crazy beaver comes down and builds a dam across the river and the water's going that way. That's God. He comes in and he says, you know what? I want the river to flow to parts of your life that you're not letting it flow to. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send something in your life that you're not going to like. And I'm going to send these things around you. And you're going to say, well, I don't understand how a God that loves me would do this. Because he loves you, he's doing it. Because if he didn't love you, all you would be eventually was the Grand Canyon in that one spot where the water just keeps going and going and going and going and cutting a rut right through your spiritual walk. And God says, no, I don't want you that way. I want it spread out. I want my love to touch your emotions. I want my love to touch your heart. I want my love to touch your family and your home life, your business, your job. My love to touch everything. So if you're not going to walk with me and obey my commandments, I'm going to make sure that you do. You hear me? It's because he loves us. He demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So the action of love, he tells us that you brought nothing to the table. 
while a sinner. Sinner is somebody that is separate from God. Sinner is somebody that is outside of God. Sinner is somebody that has no access to God. And so while we, not just, not just you, we, Paul says, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's no one born perfect except Jesus. No one came out ready to go forward and take the world for, for God. No, except Jesus, everybody after Adam has been born a sinner. All have sinned. And God tells us that while we need to understand is that when true love is loving somebody without any a chance of maybe them returning that affection back. And that is the exact opposite of the world. If the world wants, wants you to say, well, you're going to show me love, then what are you going to do for me? God tells us, I love you first. I loved you before you loved me. I loved you before you even thought about me. I loved you before you were even born. I loved you before your grandparents were born. I loved you before your great, 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 great grandparents were born. I demonstrated my love to you that even before you even were a gleam in anybody's eye, I loved you and died for you and made a plan for you and has a destiny for you and was thinking about you millennial before you were ever even here. His plan has been set in order. His plan is is to bring us to himself. His plan is to elevate his son. His plan has always been in this this manner. And he tells us, he says, our our response to him, our position in his life, our position makes no difference in his love. I, I, I use this example sometimes. There is... When, when a son or a daughter does something very, very difficult or very, or just illegal, and they go to, and they go to court, let's say something atrocious, that they, they, they committed a murder. And when the son is there and getting ready to be sentenced, maybe death penalty, and there's his mother sitting in the front row watching the proceedings, and seeing the judge sentence her son to death, everybody in the courtroom sees a murderer but the mother. The mother sees the baby. The mother sees the child that she nursed in the middle of the night. The mother sees the, the little guy that grew up and maybe went around with the wrong people and got involved in things and should not have done this. And the mother sees her child. No one else sees her child but the mother. I want to tell you the reason why God loves you so much is because he doesn't look at your sin. He doesn't look at your condition. He doesn't look at your position. The Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, Hebrews 12, 2, for the joy that was set before him. He wasn't looking at where you were, and he's not looking at where you are. He's looking at what you could be, and he's looking and saying, for the joy that is set before him, I'm willing to go to the cross to meet you right there if you just open up i'll come in amen 
This is where we have to look at our community. We cannot look at our community at where we are and where we were and what's going on. We've got to look with eyes of love and say, this is where we are going. This is what's happening. And that we do not base our circumstances based on where we are right now. I'm not looking around our community and say, this is, this is the way it's going to be. I'm not defined by this. I'm not looking at this. I'm not defined by the drugs and the trouble in the schools and all these things. That's not going to define us. We're going to start declaring the glory of the Lord and begin to look at the joy before us. And maybe it's going to cause us to endure a cross for a season. But how glad is it going to be when you see your son come down and deli- get delivered from drugs? When you see the schools being revived and the blessings of the Lord, I'm telling you, God can do it if we would go forward and believe God for it. You have to believe that God loves us and has a plan for us. And where we are is not our destination. Where we are is just part of the journey that God is doing. So the Bible tells us, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now the next verse is what we sometimes leave off. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. God did not send His Son into the world to make sure you went to hell. That's what it says. He didn't send His Son to make sure that you would be punished. He sent his son to give you a way out. He sent his son that through him the world might be saved. That, there, that, some, that on that grand day, on that moment when we're all standing before God, we're going to all be equally standing there and God is going to say, for those that called unto my son, you come over here. And those that did not call on my son, you will go over here. And the ones that go over here, they're going to look at God and they're going to be mad at God and they're going to blaspheme God. And God is going to tell them, I gave you my son. You chose this direction. You chose this path. You went down this road for those that will seek him, for those that will diligently seek the Son of God. You will truly find him, and he will bless you and lift you out and help you through all of your trouble and deliver you to the rock that is higher than you and set your feet planted right there so that you can be free, that you can be hopeful, that you have a future, that God has a plan for you. The difficulty is, is convincing hopeless people that there's hope. And you can't. You just got to demonstrate it to them. You demonstrate somebody that, listen, look at this guy. We call it testimony time. We say, look where we are. Look at what's happened in my life. And let me tell you, the same God that delivered me can deliver you. That's how you demonstrate love. That's how you show love is you tell your testimony. The Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that your testimony is so powerful it can deliver people because it's based upon the word of God. It's based upon a truth that God did something for you in your life. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 3, 18, 
Now this is New Living Translation, and it says, but it says it in a different way. Sometimes I pull in other translations, so because it says something that jumps out to me. The Bible says, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. And may you experience the, the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Let me tell you, leave that verse up there for a few minutes. You cannot, you cannot experience completeness and fullness until you experience the love of Christ. It, 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 you will walk around the world empty. You will walk around this world seeking to fill your life with other things and trying to say, call it love. But you will never know love until you know Jesus. You will never know. Yes, you can have certain affections and you can look at your children, but not everybody loves their children. Not everybody cares for their family. Not everybody treats each other the way. Let me tell you, the only love that is in this world is because Jesus is in the world. The only love that's around us today is because Jesus is around us. And when you experience the love of Christ, when you experience it, meaning you come in contact with the one that breathed life into your soul, that breathed life into your body, you come in contact with the one that literally created you and formed you and knows you and knows exactly where you are, what's in you, your DNA, down to the very lettering of it, you come in contact with that one and he knows how to heal you he knows how to deliver you he knows how to set you free he knows how to make you complete in him so the point of this whole thing today biblical love its primary word this primary definition is basically this purposeful commitment to sacrificial action for another it means that today I made a choice to love you. I choose. I, I live in an atmosphere of choice that today I'm going to choose to love you. Not based upon you. And the Bible says you will reap what you sow. If you want love, Love. That's the truth. If you want love, love people. Don't be walking around irritated and angry and frustrated at the world and frustrated at life. Frustrated. Why? Well, nobody loves me. No one cares about me. No one looks to me. Well, I'll tell you, once somebody care about you, love them. Love them. Do unto others. It's kind of old-fashioned, but it's still the truth. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Whatever you give, it will be given back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, the Bible says. You want love? Give love. 
You have to choose today. Today, I love my spouse. Today, I love my children. Today, I choose to love. I choose to live in an atmosphere of love. And by doing so, by choosing to do this, you are making a purposeful commitment to sacrificial action towards somebody else. That's love. That is not self-seeking. It is not about you. It's about them. God does not love us based on what he's going to get out of it. You know why? Because God needs nothing. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need any of us. He doesn't need the world. He's real good all by himself. He's self-existent. He's eternal. There's nothing that we can bring to him. There's nothing that we can offer him. There's nothing that we can show up and say, God, look how good I am. No, there's nothing that you can do that adds anything to God, and yet God loves you. There's nothing, there's no, there's nothing that you have. In fact, really the only thing we do have is what brother was talking about, the absence of light in our life. All we're doing is bringing darkness. All we're doing is bringing sin. All we're doing is bringing the very opposite of God. But God says, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take all of your pain. I'm going to take all of your sin. I'm going to take all of your darkness because that's all you have. I'm going to take your, your, your righteousness, even though it's like filthy rag, I'm going to take all all of that and I'm going to put it on the cross right here and I'm going to set it right here and here's what I'm going to do I'm going to give you love joy peace long suffering gentleness patience goodness meekness of such things there is no law I'm going to bless you and favor you and cover you and it's not because you're good it's because my son loves you and wants to care for you Valentine's Day has been corrupted. If it was ever something saintly, it has been corrupted by based upon what you get rather than what you give. And the world has has bought into this lie. I want to tell you something. It's very important. The definition of the world love is found in one word. And it's not love. It's called cons- uh, consuming. Or as the Bible calls it, lust. You see, what the world calls love is saying, how much can I consume? What God calls love is how much you can give. It's, it's totally opposite. If the world says, I consume this, I eat this, and if you treat me right, if you do the things I want, I'm going to respond in an appropriate manner that we call love. But that's, that's a false idea. It's, it's lust. And I want to tell you, it has invaded the church. But it's not, not in the way you may think. It has invaded the church. Because we come to the church full of lust for God, asking God to do something in me, and then I will respond to you, God. We come to God full of the world's definition of love. 
full of lust, full of consuming. And we have a bunch of people sitting in churches all around the world that are they're looking at what does it do for me? What is, what, how is it going to impact me? Nobody wants to come in and just give glory to God because he's God. Nobody wants to come in and just pour out on the Lord. Nobody wants to come in and just give an offering of praise to God, irregardless if he blesses you, irregardless if he does anything for you, irregardless of his response back to you. This is why in the Old Testament, God required they have something in their hand when they come to God. You don't come to God without a sacrifice. You don't come to God without something in your hand. Because what it is saying in the physical, you are telling God, I'm coming to you in response to you, who you are. Not based upon my house. Not based upon the car I drive. Not based upon the blessings you've given me. Not based upon the favor you have over my life. I'm coming to you because I want to show you, God, I love you. I want to show you, God, that you are a great and mighty God, a glorious one that who is like you oh god who is magnificent like you oh you oh god who created the heavens who looks down upon us who walks with us and speaks to us who favors us when we do not deserve it we give to you god whether we feel happy whether we feel sad we come here not lust but loving god when you do that And you do it not trying to get something going. But when you do that initially, when you do that purposefully, God, there's an old saying that is the real truth. You can't outgive God. You come in here ready to worship God. You say, Lord, I've been through. My boss has just been on me all week. My spouse has been on me. My trouble has been on me. And God... If I leave here with that burden, that's okay. I came because I love you. And I know you're good. And I know your mercy endures forever. And I know that whom I depend upon. And God, I know that you're not trying to get something out of me. I know you're not trying to manipulate me. You're not trying to get me to respond in a particular way if I just surrender and love on you you will love on me in a way that is beyond what I could even imagine so I come to you and I offer my praise I come to you and I offer my worship I come to you even though I still bear the wounds of this world even though I still bear the trial even though I still bear my circumstances whether you deliver me out of it or not I will not allow it to keep my praise from coming out of my mouth because I'm not I love you, God. Praise the Lord. This is why we fall. This is why we fail as people of God. Because we've turned God into Walmart. I go down the shelf here and I consume this. And I grab that. And I grab this. And I grab this thing. And I put it together. And I eat. And boy, I feel good. No. God is not here so that you can 
consume. God is here so you can contribute, that you can love somebody. You want to get a feeling of love in you? Lead somebody to Christ. Do something good. Go down to the guy down the street who can't do anything about his roof and put a new roof on his roof. Get up there and do something for the sake of God in the name of Jesus. And I tell you, God will begin to pour out on you love and blessing that you won't even have room enough to fill. Love is doing and offering. And yet at the same time, and at the same time, the Bible gives us even further depth to this. Verse 1 Corinthians 13, everybody talks about this. And I want to read verse 1. Though I speak with tongues of men and angels, but have not love. I have become sounding brass or clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. And it says, love suffers long. That, that means that it endures. Because it, it, it's not based upon them. It's based upon what's in you. And so you're willing to love somebody whether they love you or not. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. What is Paul telling us? Paul is telling us that each one of the world statements is trying to get something out of somebody. Each one of the world's statements is trying to get something. So, so what, it, what, what the world calls love wants to puff itself up. It wants to make itself look good. It wants, it wants everybody to look at me. Look how great I am. Look how wonderful I am. And God says, if you're out here doing the work of ministry in the community and you just want to do it because you want people to think you're good, you already have your reward. You're not going to get anything out of God. You cannot come to the Lord and try to love God and try to love people and you trying to get something out of it. It's hard, but it's the truth. It's easy to amen. It's a whole other thing to do. Because we are programmed to act this way. We are programmed by the world's standards, by the ideas of the world to act this way. Do something and I respond in such a way. But I want to tell you, it is a fact that loving God is equated with obeying his word. The two are inseparable. And so when you look at the word of God and it says love suffers long... Verse 5, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. 
bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It never stops because it's not about the response. It's about the action. And so when it says, and then verse 8 says this, love never fails. Now, that's a good sticker. But that's not what that means. Because when we say love never fails, we think, we, we define that to mean, oh, it's so strong, it's always going to be there. That's not what that says. What it's meaning here is what it's going to define in just a moment. It's saying love, do, love does not fade away. It's there. And you say, well, I don't have love to give. Then you need to get back to God because he's the only one that has love. Mm. Preaching mean, but it's the truth. It originates. We are not people of love. We have to be in the one who loves in order to give love. And so we cannot have it originating with inside of us. So if you have the real thing, the real love of God inside of you, it will not fade. It will not dissipate. It will not go away. And if you start to, if you base it upon your feeling, whether you feel like doing something or not, whether you act, we half of, I mean, there are times when, hey, listen, I don't feel like getting up and going to the refrigerator to get something to eat. You know, my desire for food exceeds my, 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 my desire to be lazy. And so it, it won that time. But there are days where it actually, my laziness conquered my desire and I just stayed there. It's like, you know, I don't feel like getting up. Well, here's the thing. The love of God is not based upon your desire. It's not based upon your response it's based upon the power and the and the presence of God inside of you and it does not fade now what is Paul saying he goes on to say this and I'll finish this finish this up this morning he said love verse verse 8 love never fails but where there are prophecy they will fail meaning they will fade away where there are tongues they will cease Where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Why? Why is this? For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, But then, and here's the key, face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even also as I am known. Now what is the Bible saying here? Is it saying that the gifts of the Spirit are going to one day die off? Well, yes and no. One day, when you see Jesus face to face, you don't need to speak in tongues anymore. Why? Because he's there. One day, when this mortal has put on immortality, you're not going to need to prophesy anymore. 
One day, this word of knowledge that you need right now, you're not going to need over there because if you got a question, just ask. Follow me. Right now, we live looking and appear darkly or dimly. Right now, we don't see the full result. Right now, and if anybody claims to see the full ending, let me know because I like to talk to them because I got a lot of questions. But right now, we don't know the end. We don't know all these things. We don't know. There's many things that are dark. There's many things that are dim. There's many things that we don't understand. But one day, we're going to see him face to face. And all of our questions are going to be over. And all of our situations and all of our pain and all of our sorrow is all going to be wiped away. And we won't need the gifts of the Spirit. We won't need these things. But what we will have to make sure that we have then it's the same thing we have need to have now and that is now abide faith hope and love but these three but the greatest of these is love the only thing that's going to stay when you get over there isn't going to be what you did it's not going to be your works of charity it's not going to be all of your actions it's going to be the love that you showed while you were here it will remain and will not fade away by the wayside because it came from God and originated in God. That's how powerful love is. Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God and Pastor Larry Sterling. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace.